0: We're really thankful that you uh, are here with us this morning, and uh, like Pastor Paul was saying earlier, just what a special opportunity to be able to gather together on Christmas Day and to celebrate the birth of Christ, and it might uh, throw a little bit of a wrinkle or a change in some of your typical traditions, um, but what, a better, what better way than to gather together and celebrate uh, through worship of the lord and savior so let's just pray and then uh, we'll dive in uh, this morning father we thank you for this morning Uh, god we thank you for what you've already been doing in our hearts through the service and god we pray that you would just continue to guide us to teach us and god to lead us in worship of your son and god we pray that you would bless our time in your word We pray this in jesus name Amen. amen well christmas of course is a time that is full of tradition And so, you know, maybe uh, your traditions are ones that have been passed down from generation to generation. Uh, Maybe there are some new things that you've started in your family. But this morning, I want to sort of have us think about what do you do for Christmas? What are the things that you do for Christmas? You know, people have different methods and traditions as it relates to a variety of different things. Maybe it's, you know, what kind of tree you get and when you get it and when you put it up. Maybe it's uh, when you start listening to Christmas music. It shouldn't be before Thanksgiving, by the way. Um, Maybe you have traditions about people that you get together with, friends and family members, maybe parties, maybe a specific tradition about when you open gifts with each other. But there's all kinds of different traditions Uh, Maybe some of you build uh, gingerbread houses. Maybe some of you spend time making cookies uh, to be able to be passed out and shared. There's a lot of different things that we do for Christmas. Um, But, you know, really, when we stop and we think about what Christmas is all about, Christmas is deeper and more meaningful than just those things. And you probably believe that and share that, or else perhaps you wouldn't even be here this morning. Uh, but this morning, I want us to think about what it means to really do Christmas. And I, like many of you, i am deeply thankful for uh, the teaching and the series that we're going through in First John. And it's just been so good and so valuable. And, uh, and I know that a lot of us have been just learning and growing in our walk with the Lord as we understand what it means to walk in fellowship. And so as I was preparing this morning's message, I just was thinking about some of these things that God has been doing in my own heart through Pastor Paul's teaching through 1 John. And just reflecting on some of the different things about what it means to walk with Christ, to abide in him, to have fellowship with him, to love God and to love others. And to have the assurance of our salvation built, not just in our faith, but also in our practice. And First John deals a lot with the intersection of faith and deed, faith and work, faith and practice. And it's not one or the other, but it's really both. And so we have uh, the doctrine of our faith, right? Pastor Paul talked about these two elements last week in First John, that there's a doctrinal test and there's a practical test. And there's a doctrinal test that is the basis of our faith. It is what we believe. And then there is the practical test, and it is how we behave. It is how it works out in our lives, how we love one another, and how we express God's love in the world around us, in our relationships to one another. And and this is such a divine reconciliation of these two things, right? Of faith and practice. And and so basically what I want to do with you this morning is I want to walk through a lot of very familiar passages of the Christmas story. And I want to basically apply what we're learning in 1 John specifically to the story of Christmas, that it is an intersection of faith and doctrine with practice. And so we're going to look at what does it mean to practice Christmas because we do a lot of things for Christmas. But I think what's important is whether or not we are practicing Christmas. Christmas, And so we're going to look at scripture, right? And we're going to see the doctrine of the Christmas story. This is what we believe about what took place and what it means historically and eternally and spiritually. But then we're also going to look at the practical application and what is the practice of this doctrine for our lives. And so I want to walk through with you 10 different Principles, or maybe you can call this the Ten Commandments of Christmas, but it is the practice of Christmas. And so, I want to look at ten very common characters of Christmas with ten different passages, and with a word to sort of associate with each one to help us to sort of think through it. And we'll go quick. I know ten sounds like a lot, and it's Christmas, but we'll go quick. <laughs> but um, I just I, I hope it encourages each of our hearts as we consider the practice of Christmas. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor and a theologian. And if you know him, he was the one who spoke out against Hitler and the Nazis. And as a result, he was arrested, he was imprisoned, and then he was executed uh, just hours before the Allies liberated the concentration camp where he was held. But while there, he wrote a series of meditations on Christmas. And in one particular meditation this is what he wrote. He wrote, it is not a light thing to God that we celebrate Christmas and do not take it seriously. And I think that that's really good, is that we want to take Christmas seriously. And taking Christmas seriously means not just celebrating it today, but it means taking the doctrine of what today represents, the celebration of what today represents, and applying it and living it out in our lives. Because if it's only about the celebration of Christmas today and during the season, then we've really missed the point of what it means to practice Christmas. And so I'm going to be jumping around. If you have your Bibles, you are welcome to join me. Uh, We're going to be in uh, three of the Gospels, mostly Matthew and Luke. So if you're an an old school wana person and you're good at jumping back and forth really quick, uh, you are welcome to do that. If not, uh, I've tried to have the scripture on the screen as well. It might be a lot to read, uh, but you can follow along in whatever way is best for you. There's also an outline in the bulletin that you can use if you would like to just kind of follow along. And so let's consider the practice of Christmas. The first character that we want to look at is Joseph, the father of Jesus. And the word that we want to concentrate on for Joseph is prepare. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25 is where we're going to start. So Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25, this is the reflection of Joseph. but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And so we have this story of Joseph. And one of the things I want to highlight, there's a a lot of detail, right? We could spend a lot of time just in this passage, but just sort of a big picture. Joseph had a faith that was prepared. Practicing Christmas means trusting in the sovereignty of God. See, Joseph was the quiet hero of the virgin, birth. A very young man, poor by any economical standards, his greatest joy in life was to be pledged to Mary as her husband. According to the customs of his culture, they would be apart for a year, and this would be unequivocal proof of the purity of the bride. But then came devastating news. Sometime before the betrothal year was completed, Mary was found to be with child, Joseph was devastated. In agony, he decided to divorce Mary quietly. Then the angel of the Lord commanded him in a dream to take Mary as his wife without fear. The virgin birth was the key to the Christmas prophecy. Joseph is a hero of the prophetic virgin birth. For us to put into practice Christmas means that we trust That God's ways are better than our ways. That God's ways are greater than our own. That God's wisdom is greater than our own. We too can come before God prepared to follow his lead. Being prepared for the birth of Jesus this year means that we are willing to accept everything that he has for us. Willing to embrace all that he has. It means that we will not define what life means for us or how he will control our lives, but that we will allow God to define it for us, who we are and how we live our lives. Getting through the difficult circumstances of our lives begins with having a faith that is prepared and trusting in the sovereignty of God. Joseph was prepared The second character that we want to look at is King Herod. And the word that we want to associate with King Herod is persecute. Of course, you probably know this story. This is Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. And then I'll jump down and also read verse 16. And this is what the scripture says. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all of the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." And then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star would appear, had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring word to me that I too may come and worship him. And then jumping down to verse 16, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. King Herod had a different response to the birth of Christ. See, practicing Christmas also means putting aside our own desires, The response to the birth of Jesus, for some, was persecution. Jesus was not received well by all. Not everyone embraces the image of a humble and unassuming baby, swaddled in cloth and surrounded by animals. People see the birth of Christ as a threat, and they determine to eliminate it from their lives. I think that even as believers, as churchgoers, we can sometimes feel threatened by the birth of Christ. And that might sound a little bit odd, but here's the reality. The birth of Jesus represents the fulfillment of God's truth. And because of that, it demands for our acknowledgement and worship. The birth of Christ may have occurred on a quiet evening years ago, but the birth of Christ was by no means a quiet event. Christ wrecked the world, and he wrecked the world system of sin and slavery and bondage. And when we allow Christ to come into our lives, he wrecks our lives. We will never be the same. Christ compels us towards transformation. We give up that which the world and the flesh would seek and desire for something greater. We give it up for peace and contentment. The birth of Christ completely shifts our worldview from the pursuit of our own good to the pursuit of his good. And so really to practice Christmas means we embrace suffering and surrender and sacrifice. It's a lot of what we've been talking about in recent weeks. And we see that in the story of Herod. There's a third group that we want to look at, and that is the magi or the wise men. And the word that we want to associate with them is, of course, present. Matthew chapter 2 verses 9 through 11 says this, After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until, until, until it came to rest "...over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with the Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. The Magi represent Christmas, and practicing Christmas means giving God our very best." The, the magi or the wise men sought out Jesus. They pursued him. And when they arrived, they found him and they fell down and they worshipped him. They offered him gifts. And our response to the birth of Christ should be to present our lives to him. We present our minds. We present our hearts. We present our bodies. And we present our will. And many times around this time of year, and perhaps even already this morning, you hear people say, what did you get for Christmas? It isn't too often that somebody will ask, what did you give this year? Perhaps this is a greater question for us to consider. What gift will you present to Christ this year? In what area of your life will you allow your faith to submit to Christ? Maybe it's In your marriage, maybe it is in your job, maybe it's in a different relationship, maybe it is simply your time. Maybe this is the year that the greatest gift that you can present to Christ is your life. It is not all that Jesus it's not at all that Jesus needs anything from us, but it is to say that Jesus desires that we give of ourselves for his glory. This is why God gives believers free will to choose because fellowship should come from a place of love and gratefulness, not out of obligation. There's a fourth character that we want to look at, and that is Mary. And of course, you might be able to guess this one. The word to consider for Mary is ponder. Luke chapter 1, and so if you flip over from Matthew, you can read along with me here. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 all the way down through 38. Let's look at Mary. It says this, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. There's another uh, familiar verse that kind of tags with this. In chapter 2, verse 19, it says, But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Practicing Christmas means taking time to meditate on his glory and promise. What will Mary do as the angel explains that the Holy Spirit will come on her and the baby Jesus will be conceived in her womb. Will her fear cause her to reject God's plan? Or will her faith cause her to accept God's will? Will she be unwilling to face the rejection of many? Or will she courageously trust God as she embraces the unknown and the difficult future that lies ahead? Mary presses into her fear. She grabs hold of her faith and she quietly says, yes, Lord. She evidences that her commitment to God is central to her life, for she describes herself as the Lord's bond slave. God asks each one of us the same question. Will you trust your life to the Lord no matter what the cost? At this Christmas season, as a new year lies ahead, are you willing to say, yes, Lord, no matter what other people may say or do? Are you willing to accept his plan, even if it includes hardship and sacrifice? Is Christ truly at the center of your life? What answer you give is God offers you an uncertain and challenging, potentially challenging future. God invites us, like Mary, to be part of his great plan. Fifth, we want to look at the angels. In the angels, we look at the idea of proclaiming. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14 says this, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Practicing Christmas means that we live as an example of God's grace and love. You know, the message of Christ's birth was not intended to be kept a secret. It was not intended to be kept quiet. The birth of Christ was announced and proclaimed by angels. I've always sort of wondered about the angels as they're instructed to go to the shepherds and announce the good news. And when the good news was proclaimed, they had no other response but to burst out into praise. To practice Christmas means that the magnitude of God's grace and the depth of God's love extended so pervasively that our natural response is to proclaim the good news. If we move through the Christmas season and we do not share the good news of Christ, have we really practiced Christmas? Have we really celebrated Christmas at all? The next group is the shepherds. And this, we want to think about the idea of pursue. Luke chapter 2, verses 15 through 19 talks a little bit about the shepherds. It says this, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But again, verse 19, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. What a great story that we have here of the shepherds. They pursued the Christ child. Practicing Christmas means that we follow Christ in celebration that we follow after Christ. We're studying this in 1 John, what it means to follow Christ, to be in fellowship, to remain in him. Do you desire that? Do you pursue that in your life? I love when the shepherds were told of the birth of Christ. They didn't decide to call a prayer meeting. They didn't decide to put together a committee of people to discuss what they should do. They didn't go back home and check with their families They didn't wait for somebody to come and take over their watch of their flocks. Now the Bible says that they went in haste to meet the baby Jesus. They listened to the message of God and they responded in faith. God calls us to follow him with the same immediacy. To practice Christmas means that we follow God, that we go where he leads us to go. What has God been prompting your heart to do? Or where has God been prompting you to go? Because when you move in faith and when you follow his direction, then you are practicing Christmas. You will always find yourself in a place of celebration and joy. The seventh character that we want to look at is a man named Simeon. Maybe a little less familiar, but no doubt somewhat familiar. And the word that we want to associate with Simeon is praise. Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 32, share the story of Simeon here. It says Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. That's significant. I wish I could spend a lot more time on that. But he already had the Holy Spirit upon him. And it says, And it, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. That you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for the revelation to the Gentiles. And for glory to your people Israel. Practicing Christmas means that you and I acknowledge what Christ means for us right now. That we acknowledge who Jesus is in our lives right now. Practicing Christmas means that we put ourselves in a place of praise. For many of us, Christmas can put us in a place of stress or anxiety or debt or even a place of hurt because of grief and brokenness. But when we focus on what it really means that grace came down from heaven in the form of a baby, then we begin to understand that Jesus is the Son of God in whom you and I can find our hope for salvation, the hope of our hearts, and that we can be filled with joy and peace. Because Jesus is our wonderful counselor, our Prince of Peace, our everlasting Father. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is Savior of the world. And so we praise the name of of Jesus. The next character that we want to look at is Anna. And the word that we want to associate with Anna is prophecy. Luke chapter 2 verses 36 through 38 say this, and there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years But what a wonderful excerpt to read because what Christ means is not just for now, but practicing Christmas means that we acknowledge what Christ means for us in the future. And this is great. This is what the Advent reading was about. This is what... Brad shared with us for communion, this is what Christmas is about, is that it's not just about a baby that was born years ago, but it's about a savior that was born for us now, so that we can live in the eternal presence of his glory now, but not just now, but but forever, so that we have a hope for our future, for all of time, that there is no doubt that we can have an assurance, that we can have Absolute certainty in our walk with Christ to know that he, that He is ours. Anna saw Christ as the fulfillment of the promised Messiah. In G, when Jesus was presented in the temple, she knew that he was the one that the people had been waiting for. It was the fulfillment of past prophecy and a final peace that settles our future. The writer of Hebrews tells us that the Old Testament sacrificial system was replaced by Christ's offering of himself once for all. Sacrifices are no longer necessary. Praise the Lord, right? It'd be a stinky, smelly, messy service every week if we were still doing sacrifices. But a better system has taken their place because Christ died and he paid our debt in full. God's will was fulfilled and accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ when he took on human form and he completely obeyed the will of God, the Lord's good pleasure to finally die on the cross and ultimately be resurrected from the grave. See, Christmas is not about what we do. It's not about rituals or traditions, all of which are good. But it is not about flocking to statues or attending services. It is understanding that God is not satisfied with rituals or religious exercises like sacrifices and the meal offerings, but that what God actually desires from you and I is a life that is completely devoted to to obey and serve him. God isn't looking for more rituals. He isn't looking for greater attendance. He is looking for an available and submissive heart. That is the practice of Christmas. Well, ninth, we have maybe a little bit of a unique character, if you will, of the Christmas story, and that is God the Father. Of course, he is involved and present in the life of his son. And the word that we associate here is pleased. God the Father is pleased. We see this represented in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. So this isn't at the birth of Christ, this is a little bit later, before the beginning of his ministry, but it is an accurate depiction and reflection of God's view of Christ coming to earth and fulfilling the ministry and the work and ultimately the death and resurrection that was given to him, tasked by, the task given to him by the Father. So Matthew chapter 3, 13 through 17 says... Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, Immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down to rest on him. And behold, the voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Practicing Christmas means that we find pleasure and contentment in the son. You know, when you think about the first Christmas, All eyes were on Augustus, the cynical Caesar who demanded a census so as to determine the measurement to increase taxes even further. But without realizing it, the mighty Augustus was only an errand boy for the commencement of the fullness of time. He was a pawn in the hand of God, a mere piece of lint, on the pages of prophecy. While Rome was busy making history, God arrived. Reeling from the wake of Alexander the Great, Herod the Great, and Augustus the Great, the world overlooked the baby Jesus. Just as in Jesus' day, so today our times can feel desperate. They are a distraction from the bigger picture. Just as the political and economical and spiritual crisis of the first century set the stage for the fullness of time to occur, so today in our own times, our God is sovereignly weaving together a tapestry to accomplish his divine will. And so practicing Christmas means that we remember that God is on the throne. He promises to use our desperate times to accomplish his bigger and greater purposes all around the world and deep within our own lives. God was pleased to send Jesus and pleased with his life and death and resurrection. Will you stand in the pleasure of Christ and find contentment. Lastly, we want to look at the person of John the Baptist. And the word that we want to think about with John the Baptist is publicize. And for this, we want to actually move back to the gospel of John. John chapter 1 verses 1 all the way down through 13. And this really is a great Christmas He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Practicing Christmas means that we bring the light into the darkness. You know, when you and I think about Jesus being born in a manger in a little town of Bethlehem, right, we think about a nativity, right? Your imaginary scene usually has a couple of lambs sort of bleeding in the background. Of course, we're not really sure if there were actually any animals present, but all the nativity scenes seem to have them, and so they must have been there. (laughs) However... What we do know is we know that there was truly a lamb that was present in that manger, in the very person of the baby Jesus. A small and gentle lamb is not usually chosen as the animal of choice to picture someone who would change the world. But John the Baptist declared, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John described the role of Christ as Savior perfectly, as a sacrificial lamb that would take away the sin of the world. He would take away my sin. He would take away your sin. He would take away the sin of all those who would place their trust, who would put their faith in the finished work of Christ. In Revelation, the lamb of God who gave his life on the cross is also the lamb before the throne the lamb becomes the focus of all worship and is recognized as king and lord of the whole world jesus came to be the light and life of the whole world he came that the darkness of sin would be exposed and that all those who would come to him by faith would be redeemed This Christmas, our hope, my hope, my prayer for us is that the Lamb of God in the manger would be our focus of our attention. May the Lamb on the throne of heaven be the object of our adoration. More than lights, more than presents, more than family, more than services, but that Christ would be our adoration. That Jesus came into our world is a fact that is made very clear in Holy Scripture. It is a truth that is utterly certain to our understanding of Christianity. Without the incarnation, we could not joyfully sing Charles Wesley's great line: Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail incarnate deity, pleased as man to men with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. The question before each one of us today is not actually the fact of the incarnation because the fact of the incarnation is actually indisputable. It is the question, why? Why did Jesus come to us in such an unusual manner? Jesus was not born out of promiscuity, but of a virgin birth. Mary could have had a normal conception, And avoided a lot of embarrassment and fright on Joseph's part. And eliminated criticism by the nation's leaders. But the answer is actually wonderful. Jesus came to us in a way that no one else has ever come. So that he could help us understand how special and unique he actually was that he is unlike every child that we have ever held in our arms. He is God incarnate. God's gift to you and I to accomplish what no other child could ever do. There was a a wealthy businessman who was well known for being ruthless and unethical. And he told Mark Twain that before he died he wanted to make a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. He said that when he got there, he wanted to climb to the top of Mount Sinai where Moses had received the Ten Commandments and there read the Ten Commandments aloud at the top. I have a better idea, replied Twain in his, you know, typical wit. He said, you could stay in Boston and just keep them. I believe that Jesus would have preferred that he stay in Boston and keep the commandments as well. But we always prefer some great religious experience to the routine of obedience. We would like some mountaintop emotion rather than actually showing the evidence of a changed life. This Christmas, will you come and adore him? Will you do Christmas Or will you practice Christmas? You can do Christmas just like you've done every single year, and you can continue to do it year after year. And it will come and go, and you'll be left with a certain amount of satisfaction, with full stomachs, with the mess of de decorating. You'll be left with large bills, and that's what you'll have. Or, You can practice Christmas in ways that will allow the richness and fullness of Christ to dwell in you and in the season. And at the end, you will have different gifts. You will have gifts that are eternal. Gifts of grace, of peace, of joy and contentment. Not just for today, not just for this month, not just for the season but for the weeks and months beyond. And so will you practice Christmas or will you just do Christmas like you always have? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word that you've given us that reveals the birth of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus, and the hope that we have In knowing him as our personal savior and so God we rejoice on this Christmas day we say Merry Christmas not because of the parties and the gifts and the lights and the treats and all that comes with it but we say Merry Christmas because of God incarnate Christ that was born for our hope for our salvation for our good And God, as we celebrate and lean into all the wonderful traditions that come along with it, God, may we continue to focus on the real meaning of Christmas. And God, may we practice what it actually means to partake in Christmas. The the values and the principles that we see in your word. God, may we live these things out so that it's not just a holiday that we celebrate, but God, that it is a way of life because of the life-changing work of Jesus in our own hearts. And so, God, we thank you, we worship you, and we praise you on this Christmas day. In Jesus' name, amen.